It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Wednesday podcast on the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined, as always, by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Hope everyone is having a good week so far. I know I said on Sunday's podcast that we would not be here today. I didn't think I would be able to make it, but we have Italian beer in the fridge, which white boy Malcolm X loves to drink, and we did want to do some additional tests on the microphone, and we thought, hey, while we're here, let's go ahead and just put together a quick podcast to see how everything is working. And folks, before we get underway, I have to get something off my chest. I have to confess something to you. And no, it is not salacious gossip, so calm down out there. But yeah, I was, uh, I was listening to the Sunday podcast yesterday in my car, and I was listening to the opening, and I'm like, man, I sound super, super, super robotic. And I guess I do sometimes because I have to confess to everyone here as you're listening to this podcast. I love, first, I love doing these podcasts. We have done, I think, 63 or 64 taped, I always say taped, recorded podcasts. We record things these days. We do not tape them, but that is how old I am. What an old fuddy-duddy I am. I always just say taped. It's just wired into my brain. I do love doing these podcasts, don't get me wrong. But I have to say, the worst, very worst part of this show for me is the opening. The first, I would say, what, five, seven, I don't know, nine, ten minutes I do of the show. It's just me and a couple of notes, mostly speaking extemporaneously. And for me, my brain just freezes up every single time I start one of these podcasts. It's just like it just locks up. Now, when I get into like the news quick hits or the news stories, that's my safe space. I just, that's where I kind of, I, I feel comfortable there. I just, I know what I'm doing. I read the stories. I make some color commentary along the way. I have a couple of questions for White Boy Malcolm X. You know, you know the shtick. That's what we do here. That's our fun here on the Miller Frost Show. But this first five, seven, ten minutes that I do, I'm always nervous as hell doing it. So I figured if I came on to the podcast and confessed to you all that I am a bundle of nerves doing the first couple minutes of this podcast, it will make me feel more relaxed. No, White Boy Malcolm X. It has not worked yet, but I am hoping at some point that I will be able to come onto the podcast and just ease into it and I'll be just fine. But I just wanted to let everyone know because even I listened to that opening on Sunday and I was like, ah, that sucked. I wish I could do that better. So I will practice, folks. I will keep practicing on doing these monologues and relaxing a little bit more, not stressing about it. I'm trying to be much more stoic about things. I try not to get too upset about things completely out of my control, but this is one of those things, I don't know, just letting you folks know if I sound extra robotic one day, it's just, it's just nerves. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. So I feel so much better now, White Boy Malcolm X. Now I feel better. 
I did good. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in. Not quite yet to the news quick hits, though, White Boy Malcolm X. AAPI Heritage Month, almost over. Any sightings, sir, from you, Nancy Pelosi, Geisha girl, Harajuku girl, her eunuchs, her twin eunuchs, Steny Hoyer, and or James Clyburn, samurais. Any sightings, sir? None. Okay, that's what I was afraid of, folks. I guess those woke folk, those fraud pretend woke folks up on Capitol Hill, they are showing the AAPI tribe no love. And when I say tribe, I am not trying to be racist or flippant. I talk about the LGBTQ tribe. I don't mean that to be a pejorative or anything. That's just the tribe, right? We have our tribe. They have their tribe. It's not anything to get too butthurt about. That's just a phrase that I use. I just hope, white boy Malcolm X, I hope Nancy gets her butt in gear, gets her twin eunuchs, their butts in gear, and gets out there and shows those folks in the AAPI a little bit of love. I mean, she's only got like five days left, folks. I think Monday starts Gay Pride. Jesus Christmas, white boy Malcolm X. I cannot believe that is coming up so quickly. I tell you what, I bet those queens out there, they are ready to party. COVID is over. Pride was canceled last year. Those girls are going to party like it's, I don't know, 1999, something like that. Speaking of gay, though, white boy Malcolm X, I, I and you folks out there, I got an email from City Entertainment. I guess all the concerts are coming back this year. And guess what the headline was? The big concert that they were advertising to me. Oh, you're never going to guess, so shut up over there. Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin on tour together. I mean, <laughs> that is going to be, folks, that is going to be the gayest show on earth. And no, I am not calling Enrique Iglesias gay. I just figure all the queens out there, they are going to go there just for the eye candy. Ricky Martin, he'll probably be running around in a Speedo or something. But those two are going to be on tour. I don't know. I don't even know when they're coming out on tour. I don't go to concerts anymore. That is what an old fuddy-duddy I am. Enrique Iglesias, though, White Boy Malcolm X, he would be a good addition to the tribe. Not that I'm complaining about Ricky Martin. I'm, folks, I am not criticizing Ricky Martin in any way, shape, or form. I know that that will get me my gay card canceled, and it, like like that, right? I, I am not going there at all. Now, they will let me pick on that, that tragic ex-gay Milo Yiannopoulos. They will let me do that all day, every day. Not Ricky Martin. He is sacrosanct. So we will not pick on him at all. I actually like his music. I don't know what he's done in the last 10 years, but I guess that would be an interesting concert if you're into that which I know you queens are. Not that I'm judging or anything. (laughs) I'll get to my judgment later. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email is still miller at millerfrostonline.com and my parlor handle. I have to confess something else. I have not been on parlor in, I don't know, a week or so, but my parlor handle is at millerfrost. And on a programming note, just to wrap up this uh, opening monologue, We are going to be going to some version of summer hours over the summer. I have a lot of trips lined up, and a lot of those just happen to coincide midweek. So there are going to be a lot of times where I'm just not able to physically do a podcast. I am not going to be here in my home studio doing this thing. So I will let you know on Sunday's podcast when that is going to happen. So you will know not to expect a podcast then. But two things. First, If I can do two podcasts in a week, I will sure as hell do one, or do two, rather. I will do two if I am able to. 
And the other thing is, there are going to be times where I'm out over the weekend. So you might be getting a Wednesday or Thursday podcast and not a Sunday podcast. But again, I will keep you folks up to date as my schedule changes. But hopefully this will all settle down as fall comes into play again. And then we can get back to a regular schedule of two podcasts a week. How was that, White Boy Malcolm X? Too robotic, not robotic enough. <laughs> a C. You gave me a C. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, folks, I tell you what, I was like an maybe, I was below an F, whatever that is these days. And there is a lot of great inflation out there. It's hard not to get an A in any school these days, but I got an F. I gave myself an F for Sunday's opening monologue. But I'm going to try, folks. Like I said, it's the worst part of the show for me. I am just a bundle of nerves every time I open these podcasts. And I want to just kind of come on and kind of chat and, you know, blah, 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 what have you, and do it effortlessly. But no, I just, my brain just locks up every single time. But now that that is over, and I got my C from White Boy Malcolm X, let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. Like I said, folks, we have six news quick hits, I believe, six or seven, and then we have four news stories. And yes, White Boy Malcolm X, even though I only have four news stories, Gay is at the front and Smoking Gun, of course, Smoking Gun is at the back. Our first news quick hit is from Variety. And for you queens out there, if Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin gyrating up on stage together, if that is not enough for you, and I know you queens out there, I know you're like... Well, I just love Ricky Martin, and I love Enrique Iglesias. Why can he not be in our tribe? But that is not enough for me. I just, I want more gay, 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 gay. I know how you queens are. How's this headline? Green Lantern HBO Max series eyes Jeremy Irvine for a role as gay superhero Alan Scott. And before I even start to dig in with a couple of pull quotes, white boy Malcolm X, what do you think of him? Stud. He's not a bad-looking young man. He's not... Well, I don't know if I would say stud, white boy Malcolm X. I uh, respectfully disagree with you. I mean, he's not a bad-looking kid, folks. I mean, I don't know how old he is. I think he is in his late 20s or early 30s or something. I don't know. He's got one of those little baby faces. (laughs) I'm sure he's a nice young man. I'm sure he's a very talented actor. I'm not bashing him at all, folks. But let's find out more about Jeremy Irvine as the Green Lantern or Alan Scott, whoever the hell that is. Gay superhero Alan Scott. Now that, folks, that is the worst superhero name ever. But let's find out more. HBO Max's upcoming Green Lantern series is eyeing actor Jeremy Irvine. And I know you queens out there will also be eyeing him up for the role of Alan Scott. Irvine would join Finn Whitrock in the series. Holy crap, White Boy Malcolm X. Finn Whitrock is joining Jeremy Irvine in Green Lantern. Man, that, folks, that is going to be a lot of eye candy out there. Who has been cast in the lead role of Guy Gardner? HBO Max declined to comment. So Jeremy Irvine is Alan Scott, and Finn Whitrock is Guy Gardner. And, folks, I have no idea who either of them are. I do not live in my mother's basement eyeing up a sex doll playing video games, and reading comic books. And even if I read comic books, I would probably buy them at a Target, and then I would get jumped coming out of the Target. They would rob me because I forgot to bring my Glock that day when I went to buy my Green Lantern comic books. And if you don't know what that's about, folks, you really do need to listen to more of my podcast. 
You do know who Finn Whitrock is, don't you, White Boy Max? Yeah, uh, American Horror Story. Yes, he is in American, although I don't even know when that's coming back on. I think it's been like, I think the last one I saw was American Horror Story 1984, and I think he was in that one as uh, with a bunch of the other regulars that they always have on that. I really do like that show. I was a little disappointed that Jessica Lange left the show and Lady Gaga, talk about how gay I am, Lady Gaga was on. I was like, oh, Lady Gaga, right? She only was there for like a season and she's gone. So I don't know who they're going to have on this next season. I don't know what it's about or anything, but Finn Whitrock is in that. And he's, he's quite the little stud as well. And for you folks out there who are just as confused as I am about who the hell these people are, here is another poll quote that explains a little bit of it. Scott was the first Green Lantern on Earth who, true to the comics, is a gay man. He was created by Martin Nodell and made his comic book debut in 1940. They had gay characters in comic books in 1940, White Boy Malcolm X. I figured, folks, I figured that was a no-no back in the 1940s, but I guess not. A trained engineer by trade, Scott derived his powers from a mystical green lantern crafted from a mysterious meteorite. He later joined the Justice Society of America, I hope it was social justice he was into, and in universe-hopping adventures would sometimes team with members of the Green Lantern Corps, including Hal Jordan. I just wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if Jeremy Irvine is gay. You don't know. Well, I don't know either. I don't really care, quite frankly. I am not one of those Queens folks that gets butthurt if they don't cast a gay guy to play a gay character. I mean... Jeremy Irvine could be gay for pay. Fine with me. He could be a member of the tribe. Hey, fine with me. He looks like a nice young man. He would be a good addition to the tribe, I think. Finn Whitrock, he would also be a good addition to the tribe. So I will not complain about either of them. It is a big tribal tent, folks, right? We have the Tiger Queen in there. We have Elliot Page in there. We got all sorts of questioning folks and Lazy bisexuals. And why are they lazy? Because they will do anyone, right? They have zero standards. We have pansexuals. And what are pansexuals? They're just snooty bisexuals. We got all sorts of folks in the tribe. We have a plus. And what is the plus? Everyone who is not an LGBT or Q. So these two, I mean, if we can have the Tiger Queen and we can have that horrible new gaby Colton Underwood and Goose Kentworthy. If we got those two clowns, we can certainly have Jeremy Irvine and Finn Whitrock in the tribe. And if you two are in the tribe already, good for you. And if not, I don't really care. Good luck on the show, gentlemen. I have HBO Max, so White Boy Malcolm X. That looks like really good eye candy, so we will have to check that out. And if it's a train wreck, then we will, hell, we'll just watch it anyway. From the Gateway Pundit, I got to watch the peas, White Boy Malcolm X. I have to say the letter P, folks. I have to say it very softly because this microphone will just pop it right out. It's really startling how sensitive this microphone. I mean, the other microphone picked up all sorts of crap. This one just obsesses with the letter P. So I have to be very careful about the gateway pundit. There, I said it nice and slow. Ghoulish Virginia Democrats. And yes, folks, I know that is a little redundant. Planning to dig up Confederate General's grave without relocation plan. So White Boy Malcolm X, it looks like they're going to dig this rebel up, and they have no idea where they're going to put him. 
Here's a pull quote on that. In one of the most disturbing tales to come from Richmond, Virginia's move to erase history, they are now planning to dig up the grave of Confederate General Ambrose Powell Hill, according to a new report. To make the matter even more ghoulish, the city has not actually come up with a plan yet on what to do with his remains that have been in the location since 1892. That, to me, folks, that is pretty easy. What to do with the remains, the corpse of Confederate General Ambrose Powell Hill. You dolts in Richmond, Virginia, you have to realize something, and I know you do because you are leading the pack. We are, folks, we are in the middle of a woke crusade. And so they should dig his bones up and throw him in the garbage. I wouldn't even waste the lighter fluid to burn his corpse. Just toss it right there in the trash. Let them take it to the, uh, hell, I got an idea, and it literally just came to me. And quick sidebar, folks, this is what I love about this part of the program. I don't have to think about anything. It just pops right into my head, these sorts of things. But what I would do, folks, what I would do is I would dig up all these redneck rebel Confederate generals and majors and lieutenants and all the other fun stuff. I would dig all those corpses up. I would ship them all to China. I would have the Chinese use their corpses to make fertilizer, mix it in with the cow dung. I would take that special Confederate brand of fertilizer. I would ship that up to Xinjiang, China, and I would use that Confederate fertilizer on the ground where they grow cotton, where the Uyghur slaves and all the other slaves pick cotton to make tennis shoes for black NBA players. That is the perfect plan. And I had to watch my P's there again. That is the perfect plan for what you do with dead Confederate corpses. Fertilizer to grow cotton for black NBA player shoes. And the other added bonus for this, folks, because we are in the middle of a woke crusade, you get rid of all the evidence in 30 years, 40 years, maybe 50 years. It might take a little bit longer. Everyone who remembers the Civil War Everyone who remembers these dead Confederate soldiers and everyone else, none of us are going to be around. Someone says, what about the Civil War? The woke folk can say, what Civil War? What the heck are you talking about? They'll be like, what about Robert E. Lee? Who the hell is that? Well, he was the Confederate general. Really? Where is he? You know where he is? He's in the ground in Xinjiang, China. But nobody else will know that, folks. It will be like they never existed. Just Dig them all up. Dig all those redneck Southerners up. Hell, I would just dig up all the white Southerners. If they're dead, dig up their corpses, ship them to China. That is what a good woke folk should champion, digging up all those dead Southerners to make fertilizer, to grow cotton for black NBA players' shoes. From the post-millennial, man, I really do got to watch those peas, white boy Malcolm X. Revealed. And folks, if I pop a pea, we'll try to filter that out later, but... Maybe one or two will get by, so I apologize if that happens. Anyway, from the post-millennial, revealed most of the $50 billion in woke corporate donations, speaking of the woke folk, to racial justice causes did not reach black communities. That sounds interesting. Let's find out more. Here are a couple pull quotes. American corporations that have pledged to support black communities over the past year have been lax in paying out, according to a new study. A total of approximately, get this white boy, Malcolm X, 50 billion has been promised by a slew of companies, including Facebook, Target, and Apple. And of this amount, only 250 million has been spent or even earmarked. I can only imagine whose pockets the Financial Times reported. 
I don't know about you folks, but I would file this story under, well, duh. I mean, who could not see this coming? Who could not see, here's $50 billion, and they only have spent or earmarked 250 I wonder where the rest of that money is. It can't be that Patrice Kahn Coolers and her wife got all the money because she only has, folks, she only has $3 million in property. And I know, you woke folk out there, I know that Patrice Kahn Coolers is only buying up millions of dollars in property, only buying that to disrupt white supremacy and, according to her, indirect support of black people. I mean, just her and her wife, don't get me wrong. Those are the only two people, folks, who are benefiting from those properties. And let's face it, those are some nice properties she's got. I mean, that home in Georgia, hell, I don't have a runway in my backyard. I don't have an indoor swimming pool. I don't have an RV repair shop. I don't even have three homes in the Boston area. That chick has three homes in Los Angeles. And why? I guarantee you, folks, it's not to disrupt white supremacy. I guarantee you, folks, it is not to impact black people, well, other than her and her wife. She bought those three homes in Los Angeles, folks, so she does not have to ever sit in traffic. <laughs> that is exactly why Patrice Kahn Coolers and her wife bought three homes in Los Angeles. So all you good woke folk out there, all you good capital B black people, rioting, looting, burning, having a grand gale time. I mean, they're only a couple of you. It's mostly hysterical millennial Gen Z white women down there doing that stuff. But all you good social justice black folks out there who are down for the struggle and you are looking forward to all this donated money to affect your community, you are a sucker. I don't mean to laugh at you, but that's the reality. You all have been taken for fools by a bunch of frauds, in my opinion. They like to fake that they came to do good. They are down for the struggle. They are here to help the community. And man, look how rich they are all getting in the process. I would have thought, folks, that when everyone saw how rich Jesse Jackson got back in the day, we're talking the 80s and the 90s, that man became a multimillionaire being a civil rights justice warrior way back in the day. Al Sharpton, he would have been rich, but he is a clown. He is a fool with money. He burns it faster than he can grift it from other folks. I would have thought you would have learned by now that these folks who came to do good are the only ones who are going to do very well indeed. You folks, and I feel bad for you. I really do. I feel bad for your circumstances. But you folks are just the useful idiots that they use to enrich themselves, empower themselves, make themselves better on your backs. I would have thought white by Malcolm X. I would have thought someone would have been like, man, where the hell are these people getting all this money from? They're getting it from the money that was set aside to help the community. They get their hands in the till first and whatever is left over, if anything, you might see a little bit of that. From the Daily Wire, scholar removed from American psychological email group for saying there are only two sexes. Uh-oh, somebody's in trouble. Here are a couple pull quotes. An emeritus professor of psychology and neuroscience at Duke University, perfect P's, white boy Malcolm X, I got the P's right this time, has been removed from an American Psychological Association, APA, email group for suggesting there are only two sexes. Well, that man's an idiot. John, John Statton was removed from the Society for Behavioral Neuroscience and Comparative Psychology, Division 6 Listserv, which is overseen by the APA, 
after posting a series of questions to the group that apparently upset others, the College Fix reported. Stanton told the outlet that the post he believes resulted in his removal from the group was one in which he asked, Hmm, binary view of sex false? What is the evidence? Is there a Z chromosome? You know, I saw this, folks. I saw this, and it reminds me of an article, and it was one of those articles I meant to bring on the show, but one of those weeks where too many stories, not enough time, and it was a really interesting article, and I probably should dig it up at this point, but it talked about the difference between biological sex and gender identity, right? There is a difference. A lot of people get that confused, and even I, I have to admit, was confused at one point between sex and gender. You just think, They're the same thing, but they're not. There's biological sex, right, which is a man or a woman, and that is by the chromosomes. You got an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, and you mix those together, and you get a man or a woman. Now, I do know that there are hermaphrodites. I know there are a very small minority of people with both sex organs. I understand that there are exceptions to the rule, but the rule, generally speaking, is that you are a male or a female. I guess not. Not that I'm surprised, I mean, we do have eight or so, I don't know how many at this point, we have about eight different gender identities, right? You have male, female, transgender, non-binary, right? Our favorite people here on the Miller Frost Show, like Sam Smith, and who was the latest one, White Boy Malcolm X? Demi Lovato. How could I forget, and it was only a couple days, folks, how could I forget that princess or prince or non-binary member of the royal family? Whatever they go by these days. And like I said, this is just Demi's third reboot. So expect another one at any moment now when she doesn't get the attention she needs. But I digress. So I'm assuming at this point, the good old days of there are two sexes, but, you know, gender, sky's the limit. You know, figure it out. (laughs) Make one up. Who gives a crap at this point, right? You can be whatever the hell you want to be. Your gender identity can be as super special as you want it to be, and you can have all sorts of super special, unique pronouns just to you, right? And 50 million people out there wanting to do the same thing. But I guess now those folks over at the Society for Behavioral Neuroscience and Comparative Psychology Division 6 listserv, somebody got triggered, somebody got butthurt, And John Statton got thrown off this list for just asking a very simple question about biological sex. And is there, now I guess he was being a little flippant asking if there was a third chromosome. But what John did not understand is, like we've been saying, and first off, thank you again, Shelby Steele. But there is a literal truth that the sun rises in the east and the sun sets in the west. And there is a poetic truth which is that the sun is racist and only shines down on black people to give them skin cancer. That's a lovely poetic truth. It's not the literal truth, but it is a lovely poetic truth. And you mark my words, White Boy Malcolm X. Somebody will, <laughs> somebody will use that at some point. But John Stanton was just, I would say, a bit naive to not understand the landmine that is upsetting someone and triggering someone by damaging their poetic truth. That's what he stumbled into. Someone wanted to believe in their mind, right? Their poetic truth was that there are all sorts of biological sex and you can be whatever, (laughs) any of the above. And you can't just limit people to two, right? We used to have two biological sexes and we used to have just a couple of gender identities, right? You were a male, you were physically, biologically a male or biologically a female, and you were, your gender could be male or female as well. And, you know, tossing a couple of whatever's in the middle, but 
he upset someone who wants to believe that there are however many biological sexes that anyone wants, right? Because I guarantee you, folks, if we've gone up to eight gender identities at this point, we're not stopping there, and they are going to crash through. I don't care what chromosomes say. I don't care what biology says. If someone's poetic truth is there is a third or a fourth or a fifth sex out there, that's the reality. And I have told you folks many times, these woke folk out there, they don't want to hear the literal truth. And if you try to tell them you're getting a first-class ticket on a train to the re-education camp, and if you think they don't want to put you on a damn train, so when you see a man with a penis who says, I am a woman, you are supposed to say, yes, ma'am, and you are not supposed to think twice about doing that. You just do what they say, you shut up and do exactly what they say, or you're going to the re-education camp. Or you're going to get canceled like he did. He just got canceled off this listserv there. They're going to come after you tooth and nail and try to destroy you if you do not go willingly along with their poetic narrative. This is from UPI, and holy crap, look at the P's on this thing. Harry Potter, I'll say that nice and soft, Harry Potter proof copy with typo expected to sell for up to $5,600. Hmm, Harry Potter... Do I hear a transphobe there? Let's find out more. A rare proof copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that featured a typographical error in the name of the author, <gasps> the name that shall not be spoken, Voldemort, is being, no, I'm kidding, folks, it's J.K. Rowling, is being offered for auction and is expected to fetch up to $5,600. Auction House Eubank said the book, one of only 200 trial copies to be printed for reviewers by publisher Bloomsbury before the tome's official release in 1997, contains that typo on the title page, misidentifying the author as Voldemort. Kidding again, J.A. Rowling. The book is expected to sell for $2,800 to $5,600 when it goes up for auction Thursday as part of the auctioneer's entertainment, memorabilia, and movie prop sale. Now, folks, those of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis might agree with the statement that I am a bit of a cynic, and I have little to no faith in certain institutions and people and whatever. I guess that's part of being in Gen Z. We are just kind of a jaded group of folks out there. So this might sound jaded to me, and White Boy Malcolm X, please, sir, please let me know if you agree with that, but the cynic in me and yes, there is a huge cynic in me that says, I think, White Boy Malcolm X, I think that this sale of this rare proof copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, I think it's a trap. Yes, sir, I think it is a trap to catch a transphobe. Because let's face it, folks, the only person out there who would buy a Harry Potter book, especially especially, folks, something like this. This is a collector's item. Anyone who would buy a book written by Voldemort, and everyone knows who I'm talking about when I say Voldemort. I am not going to say that vicious turf and transphobe's name anymore on this program. I will never say her name again. And I think those folks over at Eubanks, the auction house that is putting this up for sale, I think they're only doing it to catch someone and label them a transphobe, and they can go, aha, 
We caught another one, folks, and then all the woke folk out there, especially those folks in the transgender community, can go after whoever purchases this book for supporting Voldemort. So if you're out there eyeing up that book, I'm just giving you good warning. You better not buy it because you are in for a world of hurt if that happens. Except there is one exception, folks. If a transgender person buys it just to burn it, they can do that on TikTok or Facebook, wherever the hell social media platform they're on. They can burn it and go, we got Voldemort. We got her good with this one. And if that's you, I hope that is a cathartic moment for you. Get that out of your system. <laughs> Bless your heart if that's what you're doing. Man, we are flying through, White Boy Malcolm X. This is our eighth story, our eighth news quick hit. And we only have 12 folks. But after this, it's just four news stories. So this last one, our last news quick hit is from CBS 42. Alabama ranked eighth worst state for millennials. So White Boy Malcolm X, guess where I am moving next? I, not that I want to go back south, don't get me wrong. Not that I would want to go to Alabama, but man, if millennials are like, man, this place is a dump, I'm leaving. I want to move there. So let's find out more of why Alabama is ranked eighth, the eighth worst state for millennials. The state of Alabama has been labeled the eighth worst state for millennial residents, according to a new survey by WalletHub. Alabama found itself ranked low in almost every category for living and working as a millennial. And here are a couple of statistics out there for you folks. Alabama, to start off our categories, is ranked 38th in percentage of millennials overall. And I want to know, folks, I want to know what number 50 is because that's the place I want to move to. Their best score, folks, is 27th. They are ranked 27th in millennial home ownership. And I assume, folks, I assume that is because of the cheap houses there. They are 43rd in average monthly earnings for millennials. I guess the uh, average barista salary is not that high in the state of Alabama. They are 46th out of 50 in millennial unemployment rate. So I guess if they are not a barista at their local Starbucks or whatever coffee house, they are probably unemployed and living in their parents' basement. If they are a man, they are down there playing video games, playing with themselves, eyeing up that sex doll in the corner, that mom and dad or the unemployment check paid for, <laughs> doing all sorts of weird stuff down there with themselves and God knows what else. Speaking of living in their basement, though, I might have spoken too soon, folks. They are only 35th in percentage of millennials living with their parents. So I guess there are 34 states where more millennials live in the basement of their parents' home, eyeing up that sex doll, playing video games, playing with themselves, playing with their Pokemon cards, <laughs> all sorts of crazy crap down in their parents' basement, doing all sorts of weird stuff. But Although now that I think about it, White Boy Macamax, tell me what you think. So if they are 35th in percentage of millennials living with parents, right, that's what it says, if they are 35th, does that mean there are 34 more states with more kids living in the basements or less kids living in the basement? So I'm, I'm not quite sure how to read that. I just assumed there were 34 states with more kids in the basement. You think less. So you think that number one for a percentage of millennials living with their parents, that is not a bad thing. You think most of those parents have been like, get the crap out of my house. That's what you're thinking. Well, folks, if I'm making fun of millennials for no reason, I don't know, folks. The story did not specify. It just said they were ranked 35th in percentage of millennials living with parents. So I just assume, folks, that 
they were not as bad. I figured there were 34 states worse than the state of Alabama, but I could be wrong. I think they could be uh, they could be horrible. They could just be packed in there, those kids in their parents' basements. The parents are like, oh, my God, why did I have to buy a house with a basement? Because it just stinks down there. What the hell is that boy doing? But in, but in any case, folks, here we go. The last statistic, 45th in percentage of millennials with depression in the state of Alabama. So we could see that as a good thing, right? There are only five states that have better depression than those folks in Alabama or or what I think is actually happening. White boy Malcolm X, as usual, you are wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong. I think that there are 44 states where the millennials who are living in their parents' basement or doing whatever in those other states, they are happier than those folks in Alabama. Because let's face it, folks, if you are living in Alabama, especially if you are living in your parents' basement, and if you have a job, you're probably a barista, a crappy-ass barista, in a Starbucks somewhere in the middle of God knows where, Mobile or what have you, I would be depressed too. So I'm assuming that that is the absolute worst situation you can be in. But on the bright side, folks, and we have to look on the bright side, right? We want to be positive here on the Miller Frost Show. There are five states with even more depressed millennials, if that is possible. And just in case you wanted to know the uh, inverse, the top five states for millennials to live and work are Washington, D.C., Utah, Massachusetts, and Iowa. West Virginia ranked last in the survey. No kidding on that one, but I'm sure more than one of you are going, Miller, Miller, what do you mean five states and you only listed three states and Washington, D.C., which isn't even a state? Yes, folks, I know. Give Creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer time, and Washington, D.C. will be two states. They will split that damn thing in half. But don't blame me. Blame those folks in Alabama. CBS 42, some probably a dopey millennial reporter, put down Washington, D.C., Utah, Massachusetts, and Iowa and said five states because they can't count. That is the Alabama education system for you. Okay, folks, those news quick hits are over. We have four Hopefully quick news stories for you. And then we are out of here until Sunday's podcast. This first one. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X. I already told you. Gay is at the front and Smoking Gun is at the back. And I know when I start this story, White Boy Malcolm X, you're going to react because you're going to be like, where's the gay? You got to wait for it with this one. It's not so obvious. But just calm down over there. Slow your roll. From the College Fix. Report. Elite Florida School excludes cisgender males from theater production. An elite private boarding school in Boca Raton, Florida. Folks, I, I saw that and I'm like, what the hell? Elite private boarding school, Boca Raton, Florida. I don't see it, but I guess it's possible. Anything is possible in this day and age. Reportedly is putting on a theater production which excludes cisgender males. Well, good for them. According to a tweet by Robbie Starbuck, the Episcopalian St. Andrew School's version of the play Men on Boats will follow that devised by playwright Jaslyn Backhouse, who used a cast entirely of people who are not cisgender white men. This year's play will be Men on Boats, reads a document provided to Starbucks by a whistleblower. The story is about a group of American explorers sent by the American government to ride down the Colorado River and claim land through the Grand Canyon in 1869. Though the explorers were all cisgender males, the play calls for the cast to be made up of actors who are not cisgender males, giving female-identifying, trans-identifying, gender-fluid, and or non-gender-conforming actors the opportunity to tell an amazing story. According to a late 2019 review by DC Metro Theater Arts, Backhouse's Men on Boats is American history 
as it needs to be retold without a white man in sight. It highlights the ludicrous arrogance with which Western colonizers conquered lands. I tell you what, White by Malcolm X, they are definitely retelling a lot of history. The College Fixed asked play director Tucker DeGregory for comment, including if cisgender males would be permitted to try out for roles in the production. He did not respond. And White Boy Malcolm X, now that I have your attention, what do you think of Tucker Gregory? When you see Tucker Gregory, sir, what do you think? Wicked gay face. (laughs) Sir, I will not argue with you there, folks. Tucker DeGregory, now I don't know... But just looking at this kid, and I guess he is a student there at the snooty elite Florida school, Episcopalian St. Andrew's School. I think he's a student, or he is a very baby-faced instructor. But Tucker DeGregory, folks, has a puckered lip gay face like nobody's business. That kid was born with a horrifically bad, wicked case of gay face. So I am just going to assume... And I could be wrong, and I will admit I could be wrong that this heterosexual, completely heterosexual white male has a wicked, wicked case of gay face. But I'm going to just, I think the kid's a queen. I think he's a little queen. I think he is a bitchy queen. And I think he's like, I'm just going to show exactly how woke I am. I'm going to do this play, men on boats. And I am going to show everyone who's in charge here. And why do you think he's going to do that, folks? Who else joins a theater group in a high school. Queens, that is who joins high school theater groups, right? That is who is part of that club. And let's face it, folks, whenever you get a bunch of queens together, and I bet, folks, I bet that Episcopalian St. Andrew's School, every queen in that school wants to be part of that theater club, has joined that theater club. But then, folks, you get into what is called, or what I call, the queen pissing contest. So whenever, and you can see this, folks, if you work retail or, I don't know, in a gay bar, what have you, there's always what I call the queen pissing contest. Who is the head queen in the group of queens? Women do the same thing. You can see the pecking order of women in high school and other clubs, the mean girls, the ones who like to show all the other women who is in charge. That is what I think Tucker DeGregory is doing. He's like, I am the head queen here. I will not have these other queens running around thinking they're in charge around here. So I'm just going to do a play, and we're not going to have any other queens in here. I'm not even going to let them in on set design. They are banished, 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 banished from my set, my theater. Thoughts, White Boy Malcolm X? Spot on. (laughs) Why can't you say that, sir, when I do smoking gun reenactments? Don't even answer that. (laughs) Anyway, picking back up. The Equity and Justice section of the $60,000 a year plus boarding school's website states those concepts are among the highest responsibilities to make the school a place that is safe and welcoming for all. And folks, I have to say before I continue, don't you just love the gaslighting? Don't you love how they're gaslighting the crap out of us right now? It's a safe and welcoming environment for all. Unless you are a cisgender white male, especially, folks, especially if you are straight. They lie like the Chinese do about Xinjiang. No, folks, we're not tearing down any mosques. No, folks, these are not Uyghur slaves picking cotton to make tennis shoes for black NBA players. They're just in a, you know, this is like a vacation. This is a day spa. This, folks, this is the 
Ritz-Carlton of Xinjiang, this resort. And it's one of these kind of exercise spas. And we have them picking cotton because that's good exercise. It's a good healing thing, right? That's what the Chinese do. They lie through their teeth about what's going on in their slave labor camps, just like the mainstream media lies about, I don't know, practically everything. This place, it's a safe and welcoming environment for all. We'll take your $60,000. You got a white boy here. I'm going to screw that kid to the wall. And folks, for the first time, I am not even talking about, and I know you high school teachers out there, no, 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 Who's throwing a kid to the wall? I'm not even talking about that, folks, for the first time. <laughs> Normally, when I'm talking about a high school kid getting screwed to the wall, it involves a high school teacher doing it. Not this time. They're just screwing the white kids out of, I don't know, all the fun in the theater group. St. Andrew's internal consultants also were involved in an initiative called Vision 2020, which laid the foundations for the emerging anti-racist work required of all communities centered on the pursuit of justice. I really should pull White Boy Malcolm X. There's actually, folks, a really good article about how all these kind of elite private schools, the boarding schools, what have you, all these... uh. Fancy places in New York, all these fancy schools in New York are all going woke. All these super rich families are complaining, but very quietly because they don't want to get their kid in trouble about how their schools that they're shelling out a fortune for are all going woke and brainwashing their white kids on how they should hate themselves for being white and privileged. Speaking of white and privileged, though, folks, I am sure you're out there going, Miller, Miller, what kind of school is Episcopalian St. Andrew's School? How white and woke is that school? Well, I'll tell you what, folks. It's pretty woke, right, if they're running this kind of crap. But that school, folks, that elite private boarding school down in, of all godforsaken places, Boca Raton, Florida, that school, folks, is 82% white. That's pretty lily white. I mean, I think the only place whiter than this elite private boarding school in, again, folks, of all godforsaken places, Boca Raton, Florida, the only place whiter, I think, would be the state of Vermont, which is 94% white. This school, 82% white, 6% Hispanic. And don't you panic out there, you dopey white liberals. I know you're out there going, what the hell is a Hispanic? Latinx. Oh, oh yeah, I know what the word Latinx is. Oh, 6% Latinx. Oh. Folks, we gotta, I got to speak the language of the snooty white liberal. And they love, folks, they love the word Latinx. So I got to speak their language from time to time. 4% Asian, 4% multiracial, 2% black. And folks, no, 0% Native Americans or Pacific Islanders. They might have a token one running around there, here and there, but basically 0% of either of them. 1,280 students at this clownish elite private boarding school in, of all godforsaken places, Boca Raton, Florida. So, White Boy Malcolm X, I guess a question I would have for you, sir, and I don't know how you're going to answer this, but you've got this white, woke queen, Tucker DeGregory, who I assume is a white, woke queen. We know he's woke. I just don't know what kind of queen he is. He's got a wicked case of gay face. So I think it's reasonable to assume that he is a woke, white queen, another self-loathing, rich, white kid out there. Like, we don't have enough of them running around this day and age. So my question, White Boy Malcolm X, in a school that is 82% white, 6% Latinx or Hispanic, whatever you want to call them, 1,280 students, and they're doing a play where no white men can be in this play, and they are banking on the fact that they're going to have women in there, 
They're going to have transgenders in there, gender fluid folks in there, the non-gender conforming actors, female identifying, you know, whatever, blah, 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 all the good woke folk in the LGBTQ plus community. They're going to throw all of them in there, but the white queens who love to do the theater, but they are being denied. So Tucker DeGregory there can be the head mean queen in the group. Depending on how big a cast this stupid play, Men on Boats, needs, I mean, what are the odds if they're going to have enough LGBTQ plus members of our tribe at a school of only 1,280 students to fill the cast of this stupid play that this stupid queen wants to do? Or are they just going to have to rely on a bunch of white women, predominantly white women, to make up this cast? (laughs) No idea. Why do I bother to even ask you? I'll tell you what, though, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you are one of those queens down at this elite private boarding school in Bucca Raton, Florida, the Episcopalian St. Andrews School, if you're down there going, why the hell am I in Bucca Raton, Florida? Why can't I be at a prep school in Vermont and I can go skiing in the winter? Who the hell wants to be down here in all this humidity? It's just destroying my hair. If you're that little queen and you're in that school and you're going, that damn Tucker DeGregory, he thinks he's the head queen around here. I'm going to show him at some point. I am going to get that queen. I'm going to stab that queen in the back one of these days. If you're that guy right about now, I have an idea for you. I would show up to auditions. I would sit down and Tucker DeGregory is going to sashay out on that stage and look across and go, I'm sorry, but if you are a cisgender white male, You are excused. You have no chance in hell of ever being up on this stage for this production of Men on Boats. And I just cannot wait to put it on with all the fabulous people, all the other good woke folk out there. And if he looks at you and says, get the hell out of here. I I don't even want to see the sight of you. You disgust me, cisgendered white male. You stand up, you look him dead in the eye, and you say, I'm sorry, Tucker, but I identify as female. Let me tell you something. That snitty queen, as snitty a queen as Tucker DeGregory is, she got nothing for that one. (laughs) She is screwed six ways to Sunday if you pull that card. What the hell are they going to do? They're going to ask you for the hardware? No, they know better than to say, we'd like to check the hardware. That is a new rule, folks, that you can be a woman with a penis and nobody can say a damn word about it. So you little queens out there, You want to get back at Tucker DeGregory? I would go down there in a group. I would march down there. All of you identify as female, or you can just be a, you know, a non-binary and say, my pronouns are zizirza. How dare you speak to me that way? You girls got to take back your theater group. From CNN, and yes, folks, I have no idea why the hell I was reading CNN, but how's this headline? Biden advisor. President will change course in infrastructure talks if inaction seems inevitable. Uh Uh-oh, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer. Infrastructure. This could only mean one thing, folks. The Buttigieg girls. Let's find out more so we can hear from the Buttigieg girls. White House Senior Advisor Cedric Richmond said Sunday that President Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer will change course on his massive infrastructure bill if inaction on the costly proposal seems inevitable. On Friday, the White House dropped the price of Biden's infrastructure bill from $2.25 trillion to, uh-oh, folks, $1.7 trillion in a move that officials view as the next step in the ongoing talks over the package. The new proposal lays out four areas the White House views as concessions to Republicans who have put a $568 billion proposal on the table. 
but Republicans who have sharply objected to the levels Democrats have put on the table, as well as the expansive definition the White House has leaned on for an infrastructure proposal, balked at the administration's new proposal late last week, saying the bill's new cost is well above the range of what can pass Congress with bipartisan support. Biden's proposal would put money towards broadband, the country's roads and bridges, as well as home care and disability services, among other things. Friday's offer from the president, who again, folks, does love to sniff women's hair, includes matching what Republican senators have proposed as the spending level for broadband, $65 billion, $65 billion for the interwebs, white boy Malcolm X, damn, and reducing Biden's proposed spending levels on roads, bridges, and major projects by $39 billion. It also takes spending on manufacturing, research, and development and supply chain out of the talks. I think, folks, I think that is what's called anchoring. And folks, if you want to know what anchoring is, it's a kind of bias. It's, uh, it's when people rely, I would say, rely on too much information or the first information they find when making a decision. So if you see something and the price is like $100, but it's on, it's on sale for $80, you're like, wow, that's a really great deal. It's 20% off. Well, it might be a you know, $70 or $80 item. They just marked it up to $100 and then marked it back down to $80. They're getting the price they want at the end of the day. And for you, you're thinking, oh, I saved 20%. No, you didn't save anything. So that's what anchoring is. It's where you just kind of see something and everything that you think of afterwards is kind of anchored to that, that original idea, which is what the Democrats are doing, I think, just a little. They probably, they probably figured out, you know what? We can probably do all the pork and all the payoffs and everything we need to do to kind of pay off everyone with this massive infrastructure bill. We can probably get all that done with just over a trillion. But let's tell those clownish Republicans, we'll say we want 2.25 trillion. That way we can get the full trillion. And those idiots will give in to us because they think, oh, wow, we talked them down off the ledge off the 2.25 trillion. I mean, really, folks, for the Democrats, it's a twofer. They probably are going to get more than they ever hoped they could or were really truly expecting. So they're going to be able to kind of pay off even more people and have a bigger slush fund to pass around all that pork. So they're going to make out okay. They're not going to lose anything on this deal. And on top of that, folks, on top of that, they get to club the Republicans over the head because they can say, you know what? We wanted to spend $2.25 trillion on infrastructure. And what is infrastructure? It's home health care and disability services. It's all sorts of things to help your granny take care of your granny. And we are going to call that infrastructure. The Republicans hate your grandmother. The Republicans want to kill your grandmother. Folks, if you have not been on this earth very long, this will be a repeat of the 1990s budget battles with Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich battling toe-to-toe. What do the Democrats like to do then? The Republicans want to starve children. The Republicans want to push granny over a cliff. And if you're like, Miller, that is absurd. Folks, there was actually a commercial showing someone pushing a grandmother in a wheelchair off a cliff. I am not being overly dramatic. I can be overly dramatic, don't get me wrong, but in this case, there was actually a commercial where the Democrats were trying to sell to people the poetic truth that Republicans literally wanted to starve children and wanted to kill your grandmother. So the Democrats are in a win-win situation. They're going to get more money than they really wanted, and they get to beat the Republicans over the head. Well, let's be honest, folks. Not every Democrat is going to be particularly thrilled with this idea of going from $2.25 trillion to $1.7 trillion like, like that, right? Because 
let's face it, folks, that money has been earmarked in a very special way in a very special household in Washington, D.C. And I, folks, I can only imagine an uncomfortable conversation right about now. Chastin, Chastin, are you going to come out of the bathroom? Pete, I am not talking to you anymore. I am so sick of you. Come on, Chastin. I've already apologized ten times now. Well, you can just keep apologizing. I am over you. You promised me, Pete, you promised me $2.25 trillion to remodel gay bars in Washington, D.C. and the state of Indiana. Chastin, I never said that. Well, that's what I heard. Chastin, I never said that. Well, that's what I heard. And I cannot believe, Pete, that creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer and Cedric Richmond, whoever the hell he is, he is not the Secretary of Transportation. I don't know what they're talking about. Home care and disability services is not remodeling gay bars in Washington, D.C. and the state of Indiana. Chastin, creepy Uncle Joe did say, among other things. Well, I'm sorry, Pete, but among other things, creepy Uncle Joe, such a jerk. That does not mean remodeling gay bars in Washington, D.C. and the state of Indiana. Do I have to explain this to you, Pete? Okay, maybe just a little. Oh, I am so tired of you. A disco ball is not among other things. It's a disco ball. Do you know how much a disco ball costs, Pete? Do you know how much they cost? They are not cheap. And do you know how many disco balls I'm going to need to remodel all the gay bars in Washington, D.C. and the state of Indiana? They are not cheap, Pete. Not cheap like your suits. Your cheap suits that I just can't stand that you wear those cheap suits. It's embarrassing. Jackson, please come out of the bathroom. It'll be fine. I want a divorce. I am so tired of you. I'm tired of your lies. I want that $2.25 trillion. If not, then you can find someone else to take your cheap suits to the dry cleaners because you have to ride that stupid bike for one stupid block to show everyone how green you are and everyone knows that you don't even bother to recycle. You are such a fraud in a cheap suit and your stupid bike. I can't stand the sight of you and you lied to me and creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, he lied to me and Queen Kamala, she lied to me. You know what? I agree with Dr. Jill Biden and yes, I know she's a fake doctor because she got that stupid education degree. That is a... Uh, that is not even a real degree. Everyone knows that. Who's she kidding? But I have to say, I agree with her. Queen Kamala can go F herself. Creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer can go F himself. And you, Pete, you short little pocket queen, riding your stupid bike in your cheap suits, you can go F yourself too. Okay, Chaston, I'll make sure the first thing they do is pave the road between this house and the dry cleaner. It's a deal, but you're still not getting sex for a week. Whoa. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, folks. First, I apologize. I did not know they were going to go there at the end there. But, phew. man, I tell you what, White Bone Malcolm X, every single time we check in with the Buttigieg girls, they are arguing all the time. I am, I'm glad they're not getting a divorce because what would we do on this podcast if Chaston stormed out of that house because Pete lied to him, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer lied to him, Queen Kamala lied to him about spending $2.25 trillion on disco balls and all sorts of other remodels of the gay bars in Washington, D.C. and the state of Indiana. Don't worry, girls. You will still have a huge slush fund to do all the other fun stuff that you want to do. We're down to two stories, White by Malcolm X. Yes, we are down to two stories. This one is a local story from Boston.com. And speaking of self-loathing whites, here's what we know about the federal complaint against Wellesley's virtual event for students of color. Wellesley. Hmm. 
That should be interesting. And if you folks don't know anything about Wellesley, it is a lily white town west of the city of Boston. It's a suburb out along I-90. I actually used to live in Natick when I first moved to the Boston area. I started in Massachusetts. I started over in Northampton on the west side of the state, moved to Natick on my way into Boston as I was moving from place to place to place to place, all that kind of fun stuff. But Wellesley is just east of Natick. Natick is another one of those picturesque little New England towns, as is Wellesley. It's a cute little downtown. It's got, I don't know, it's got some women's college there. I forget what it's called. I think it may be called Wellesley's Wellesley College or something like that. But yeah, I guess there is some woke anger going on in Lily White Wellesley. So let's find out more about that. In March, following the Atlanta spa shootings that left six Asian women dead, speaking of poetic truths, Wellesley Public Schools held a virtual event for Asian and Asian American students, as well as all students of color, to process events, noting it was not the space for white students. Now the district is facing heat after a newly formed conservative education group filed a federal civil rights complaint alleging racial discrimination. And to tell you how, well, I guess it's not officially a lily white town, but Wellesley is 77.5% white, 12% Asian, and only 2.4% black. And everyone else is below 2.4%. The virtual event was hosted on March 18th by Wellesley Public Schools' Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. It was billed as a healing space for Asian and Asian American students, grades 6-12, through faculty and staff, and others in the BIPOC community who wish to process recent events. In other words, folks, it was a rip-roaring good time bashing Whitey. They love to bash Whitey. Even when most of the town is white, the rest of them get together couple people in a room in a place like Wellesley, and they get to rip on Whitey when Whitey isn't around. An unidentified teacher sent an email with the Zoom link and wrote, Note, this is a safe space for our Asian, Asian American, and students of color, not for students who identify only as white. So white boy Malcolm X, technically, sir, technically you, since you do not identify as white, you identify as black, you could have attended this dumpster fire meeting of bashing Whitey. If you identify as white and need help to process these events, please know I'm here for you as well as your guidance counselors. If you need to know why this is not for white students, please ask me. In other words, you are a racist by virtue of the fact you are white and the BIPOC folk don't want you around. You suck, whitey. According to the Swellsley Report, the email and a blog post criticizing the teacher and district were quickly circulated widely. The following afternoon, the district posted a letter noting the importance of broad-based community dialogues while explaining and defending its use of affinity spaces to have certain conversations. We have come to unequivocally affirm the importance of affinity spaces where members of historically marginalized groups can come together in a spirit of mutual support and understanding of shared experiences, the letter reads. The district has benefited from the feedback provided through these conversations, which members of these groups might not otherwise feel comfortable sharing in broader dialogue sessions. In other words, folks, they are a bunch of passive-aggressive woke folk out there. They don't want to talk bad about Whitey to his face. They just want to sit around in their shared experiences and their mutual support trashing Whitey, and Whitey ain't around to hear it. So Whitey doesn't have to get butthurt. They can just trash the hell out of Whitey 
without Whitey around to complain about it. And you know, folks, I have to say something. I have to give credit where credit is due. Now, I do give a lot of crap to the woke folk out there trashing Whitey publicly, but at least they're doing it to Whitey's face, right? They're doing it to my face, not your face, White Boy Malcolm X, as lily white as it is. You identify as black, so this does not include you, sir. But at least, folks, when they're talking trash about Whitey, we know it. There is no hiding their animosity for Whitey. Like that woman on the college campus who wanted Whitey exterminated. At least she said it to our face, basically. I want you all dead. A lot of them think that way, but they'll never tell you. They'll just give you stink eye when you're walking by and your white guilt won't let you say anything about it. At least those folks, as nutty as they are and as vile as they are in their racism, at least they're public about it. I got to give them credit where credit is due, not these folks sitting around in their little safe spaces, their cocoons, trashing Whitey behind Whitey's back. The letter signed by Wellesley Superintendent Dr. David Lucier, two principals and the Director of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, acknowledged that some community members have been uncomfortable with a practice they perceive to be discriminatory. Speaking of passive-aggressive, Dr. David Lucier and his two eunuchs, the principals, and whatever clown is running their diversity, equity, and inclusion group where most of the town is white. Oh, it's not really discriminatory. Those stupid loons over there, they're the crazy ones. They perceive it to be discriminatory, but it's not discriminatory to have all the BIPOC folk in a room trashing Wadi. That is not discriminatory whatsoever. Those people are just bat blank crazy. Just ignore them. It's important to note that affinity spaces are not discriminatory. So they go from being passive-aggressive folks to gaslighting the crap out of us. No, excluding Whitey from the room and then talking crap about him behind his back. That is not discriminatory whatsoever. And if you perceive that to be discriminatory, you're the nut job. Hosting affinity spaces is part of a long-term evidence-based district strategy. Uh Uh-oh, the science is involved now that amplifies student and faculty voices on various issues, unless, of course, you are white, and enhances their sense of belonging. Again, unless you are white. As reported by the Boston Globe, speaking of groups that just can't stand whitey, but at least they're public about it, the district also said in a statement that no students were turned away from the event and the invitation was imperfectly stated. (laughs) They're trying to get themselves out of that lawsuit only meant to clarify who the space was really for. And I love the fact, White Boy Malcolm X, and you folks out there, I love the fact it's a virtual event. So what do we know about virtual events from this podcast? We know that Zoom meetings are an excuse for white people to show their white power. We had that story, and that BIPOC folk was complaining about whitey using their white power and showing off their whiteness using Zoom. I don't know why BIPOC folk are afraid of Zoom, but that is the poetic truth that they wanted to spend. Again, thank you, Shelby Steele. But they're hosting a virtual event where Whitey can just take over the thing with their Zoom white power. Or not, they could be just like a bunch of white supremacists lurking about, hiding in the shadows, watching the BIPOC folk trash Whitey, and no one will know they're on the Zoom call because they're not using the Zoom camera. I... 
I just don't know how a virtual event can be a, like a virtual safe space or something. That's how stupid these clowns at Wellesley Public School, this idiot running their diversity, equity and inclusion group over there. That's how stupid these folks are. Let's do a virtual event and we'll just tell Whitey to shoo. Go away. Just go away. It's probably run by some snitty queen. Just go away, Whitey. You suck. We all know you suck. Well, you're white too. Oh, screw you. I'm gay. I'm part of the, I got a great tribe here. I can join the BIPOC folks. They love the Queens. Speaking of which though, white boy Malcolm X, this is, this is more rhetorical. I wonder if they have affinity safe spaces for the BIPOC folk in Wellesley, Massachusetts. And let's face it, folks, there are just not a lot of BIPOC folks in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Town is 77.5% white. That's pretty lily white. It's not as lily white as Vermont, all those good white liberals up there, but it's pretty white. Asians are only 12% of the population. Blacks are, oh, speaking of which, can you imagine being an Asian? And let's face it, folks, I know the poetic truth is that Whitey is doing all the beating on the Asians, but the reality, the literal truth is there are a lot of black people, shh, don't tell anyone, there are a lot of black people beating up Asians. Because we had that story on Sunday's podcast, even when a black guy beats up an Asian, it's Whitey's fault. (laughs) This dumb chick blamed Whitey for a black person beating up an Asian. And yes, you're the crazy one if you think that's a bit nutty. But in any case, White Boy Malcolm X, can you imagine being an Asian? And I'm sure the Asians are like, I like to blame Whitey, but I know, chances are, it's going to be a black guy or a black girl sucker punching me sometime. I know that's the literal truth, and I'm not so dumb as to blind myself to the poetic truth. It's Whitey. Can you imagine, White Boy Malcolm X, being an Asian on a safe space call with BIPOC folk, knowing that the BIPOC folk might pop you in the face one of these times? That's got to be triggering for them. I'm sure, folks, I am sure that at least one or two Asians were like, man, I actually wish the white people were here. I feel safer around the white folks sometimes. (laughs) They're a bit nutty. But at least they don't sucker punch us all the time. But anyway, I digress. Let's get to the point because I want this podcast. We got one more story. It's a smoking gun story. I got to get to it. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if they have this affinity space for the BIPOC folks, and there are not a lot of BIPOC folks around, I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if they have an affinity space for the Queens and the LGBTQ plus community. I wonder if that is there. And if you folks are like, well, Miller, why would they do that? It's Wellesley. Everyone knows rich white people love the queens and the lesbians and the transgenders. They just love the LGBTQ plus community. Well, folks, you have to know something. There are members of my tribe. I'm embarrassed to admit it, folks. I don't know any of them. I've actually met a few of them. There are folks out there in the LGBTQ plus community who hate straight people. I mean, they despise straight people. They call them breeders. (laughs) And folks, I swear to God, I am not making that up at all. But anyway, White Boy Malcolm X, if you've got a healing space for the LGBTQ plus community because everyone there is terrified of the breeders out there eyeing them up or doing something, whatever, do you think that is a possibility, sir? Of course. Well, that is true. Question, though, for you, sir. If you've got this affinity space, you technically cannot have the entire tribe in there. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you've got a bunch of anti-heterosexual folks there, 
right? The anti-breeder crowd is in there. That's their affinity safe space. And they can talk about their shared experiences of hating breeders and their mutual support and, and how they deal with the breeders. All, all these breeders, they're everywhere. Oh, God, them and the babies and all the other crap that's going on. You should see these bully women with their strollers going through the Natick Mall. They're horrible. I hate all the breeders. Ah, right? You've got those folks. I think that would be a really hard thing to pull off. And the reason I say that is because you've got, like, bisexuals. And what do I say about bisexuals? Everyone knows, right? They're the laziest members of our tribes. And why? Because they will do anyone. If they'll do anyone, White Boy Malcolm X, they're part-time breeders. Because sometimes they'll sleep with the same sex. Sometimes they'll sleep with the opposite sex. Or let's face it, folks, after this podcast, whichever sex is out there, right? There could be 10 or 12 of them. They could be part-time breeders. So therefore, they should not be in this affinity space. You've got the pansexuals, which are what? The snooty bisexuals. You've got the questioning Hell, they could be questioning if they're a breeder. Do we want them in there? No. You've got the transgender community, which, let's face it, folks, has absolutely nothing to do with sexual orientation. I don't even know why they're in the tribe. If the tribe is the, you know, about sexual orientation, heterosexuals should not be in the tribe. <laughs> like um, Elliot Page. I mean, you want to talk about full circle here, theoretically, just complete sidebar, folks. Can you imagine if Elliot Page starts as a heterosexual woman? liking and dating men, goes to a lesbian liking women, and now she's a transgender man. I don't know whether she's straight or she's gay. Can you imagine, white boy Malcolm X, if she becomes a gay man and winds up still being in bed with a man, this time as a man, not a woman? Can you? She's basically just come full circle on this. I'm waiting to hear what her sexual orientation is, if she's still into women, therefore she went from lesbian to heterosexual man, or if she is a gay man and she's just winding up in bed with men, just doing this whole kind of, I don't know, whatever the hell she's doing, this reboot of herself a couple of times, just like uh, Demi Lovato. I guess, folks, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling at this point. (laughs) I can just see any sort of attempt at an affinity space for the LGBTQ plus tribe based on hatred of heterosexuals, that could be a huge dumpster fire. Now, that would be a really entertaining dumpster fire to watch. Can you see that crap show with all of them going at each other? Because the queens and the lesbians would be like, they're stupid breeders. And then the bisexuals, they get kind of half butthurt because they're like, well, I was straight last week. So I take offense at that. Excuse me, how dare you say that? So I am just hoping for my own entertainment that you idiots, you clowns over at Wellesley, at the Wellesley Public School, you idiots over in the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group, I hope, I pray, please, 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 sweet baby Jesus, let them form an affinity space for the LGBTQ plus community. Okay, folks, we are down to our final story, our smoking gun story. Cops. Father hit daughter in face with pizza. Hmm. That sounds entertaining. Let's find out more. A Florida man yesterday struck his daughter in the face with a slice of pizza, resulting in his arrest for battery, according to a police report. Cops responding to a disturbance call at the victim's Vero Beach home discovered the 20-year-old with what looked to be tomato sauce on the left side of her face inside the resident's front door, The ground was covered with pizza toppings, according to an arrest affidavit. The victim told police that her father, Tyler Warden, 41, came to her home Sunday afternoon to drop pizza off, 
But when she told Warden that she was not feeling well and asked him to leave, he began arguing with her. When the woman sought to close the door, Warden allegedly threw a pizza slice at his daughter, striking her in the face. After the woman dialed 911, cops arrived at the residence and questioned Warden, who admitted throwing the pizza but claimed he thought the door was shut at the time. An officer noted that he detected a strong odor of an alcoholic beverage on Warden's breath. Warden was arrested for battery and booked into the Indian River County Jail on the misdemeanor charge. So folks, if you were in Florida and you throw a pizza slice at someone, don't worry, it's just a misdemeanor. He was released from custody this afternoon upon posting $500 bond. Man, that was nothing and has been ordered by the judge to have no contact with his daughter. So white boy Malcolm X. I, this story to me, I don't know, folks. You white boy Malcolm X, I, to me, I, I'm just a little confused. So if you don't mind, sir, and you don't mind out there, folks, I would just kind of like to walk through what I think happened here. I just want to make sure that I have this story correct because it just seems a little, I don't know, something's weird about it to me. I just want to make sure I have everything right, straight, and correct. And I hope using the word straight was not too triggering out there for all you breeder haters out there listening to this podcast. So you have Tyler Warden, who's 41. So he is an aged millennial at this point, and he has himself a Gen Z daughter. She is 20 years old. And folks, she called the popo on her father. So to me, I don't know what her name is. It's not here in the story. But I, I am willing to bet, folks, that her name is Karen. Probably COVID Karen right about now. But I suspect her name is Karen. I think she is Karen Warden because only a Karen would call the popo on her father for throwing a pizza slice at her. So, Sunday afternoon, which was, hey, we were doing a podcast, White Boy Malcolm X. While we were doing a podcast, this was going on, folks. Sunday afternoon, Tyler Warden is sitting at home, and he is probably there pondering life. He's probably, folks, I am willing to bet, he is probably sitting there enjoying a deliciously chilled glass of White Zinfandel. He's just thinking about life, and he gets a text from his daughter, Karen. And the text says, I want pizza. He's like, hmm, okay, my daughter wants pizza. So he texts her back, go order some. Of course, the text comes back, Daddy, can you order me a pizza? And he does what every father would say. Is your phone broken? Can you not order one yourself? She writes back, Daddy, can you order me a pizza? She's not engaging. She's a woman. She's a young woman. She's passive-aggressive. Not as passive-aggressive as a queen would be. But she's a young woman. She's probably pretty passive-aggressive. She's not going to engage that. Daddy, can you order me a pizza? So he's a millennial. He's an older millennial. He's sitting there going, crap. I'm pretty self-absorbed, but this brat, Jesus Christmas, man, she is out of her mind narcissistic. She is the Demi Lovato of our family. She just has to make everything about her. But I just want to keep the peace. I love my daughter, and I just want to keep the peace, so... He probably regrets it at this point, but he writes her back, honey, what kind of pizza would you like? And of course, folks, you know those three little dots that just go, right? He's just watching that go and go and go and go and go and go. And as every minute ticks by, he's like, oh my God, what the hell have I gotten myself into? And folks, this long, long, long pizza order comes in, but it's basically just, she just wants a veggie pizza. She wants a veggie, vegan, whatever pizza. She wants it like gluten-free crust. She wants all this sorts of crap. And 
And then at the bottom, folks, that's when things start to go awry. Because, folks, that's when he saw something that was, he almost disowned his daughter on the spot. She said in that text, please make sure they put extra pineapple on that pizza. Folks, Tyler Warden is a pizza guru. Tyler Warden is actually a chef, folks. And every chef knows, every sane person knows, every person with an IQ over 80 knows, pineapple does not belong on a pizza. Only an insane person would want pineapple on a pizza. And his dopey daughter wants pineapple on a pizza. Not only does she want pineapple on a pizza, she wants extra pineapple on that pizza. And she's adding insult to injury, making him a chef who knows only a stupid idiot would want pineapple on a pizza. She's making him do the ordering for her. He's sitting there going, "Mm, she's doing that on purpose. But I want to keep the peace. I want to make my daughter happy. I love my daughter. She's dumb. I hope she finds some idiot who's rich enough to take care of that stupidity. But at this exact moment, I am that idiot. So I'm already paying the rent. I might as well just go over and see how she's treating the place so I know if I'm getting my deposit back or not. So he sets up a fake account at Domino's because God knows, folks, he does not want his name associated with a vegan pizza with gluten-free crust and extra pineapple on top and all the other crap she wants on there. And he orders that thing online. He gets a parka and he gets some sunglasses and a baseball cap so he can go in there and order it without shame, without those folks at the Domino's seeing him and seeing the humiliation in his eyes that he is crushed, that he has got to go and use his hard-earned money to buy a stupid gluten-free veggie vegan pizza with extra pineapple on it. So he goes over to Domino's. He picks it up because he doesn't want them coming over to his house and seeing where he lives. So he goes over, gets the damn pizza, puts it in the car, and already, folks, he's already about to gag because his car now smells like overcooked pineapple. His car now stinks worse than a guy in Minnesota who had some psycho meth head masturbating in his truck for hour after hour after hour. His car with that nasty cooked pineapple smells worse than that stupid candle by Gwyneth Paltrow that stinks like her vagina. That's how bad his car smells. And so he's just like, man, she gets to me every single time. But he drives over to her house. He's like, let me just get this damn stinky ass pizza out of my car. Give her the damn pizza. Get this over with. Go home. Because I still have a half a bottle of deliciously chilled white Zinfandel ready to go. So he goes up to the door and he, she opens the door. Yes. He's like, here's your pizza, dear. And so typical teenager, she just leaves the door open and walks away. So he comes in, closes the door. Here's your pizza, dear. Oh, okay, you can put it over there. So he goes over and puts it down. You're not going to eat your pizza? I don't feel well. Can you leave? I just got your pizza, dear. And I got it with your veggie vegan pizza. I got it with the gluten-free crust. And I got it with the extra pineapple which you can smell because it smells like death. Well, Daddy, I just don't feel well. Can you leave? I got you this pizza. Are you not going to eat the pizza? Probably not. I'll just, you know, I don't know what I'll do with it, but, you know, can you just leave? I just, I just don't feel good. What's wrong, dear? I'm just very upset, Daddy. What's going on, dear? You know, he's a father. He's got to ask his dopey daughter. Daddy, there's so much social injustice in the world. Yes, dear, I know. That's why you go into the big city and you riot, loot, burn, have a grand gay old time. Well, Daddy, it's still wrong, and I just don't feel good now. I just feel oppressed. You're a white 20-year-old, and Daddy's paying for everything. You're not really that oppressed. Well, I'm oppressed for the BIPOC folks, my friends. 
you don't have any black friends. Daddy, will you please stop? I am just really so upset about social justice issues, and I do not need you in my house while I'm not feeling well because all the BIPOC folk are being oppressed that you're here and you're just mocking me. I just don't want you to mock me. I am a woman. and You have to respect me. You are on my health insurance. I pay your rent. I pay for your car. I pay for your freaking stinky pizza. I pay for everything, dear. You are not a woman. You are still a girl. Daddy, you just do not understand. You're old. And folks, you don't tell a millennial they are old. That is what they tell the real old folks like the boomers. It is millennials, folks, that came up with the snide term boomers. Oh, look at the boomers. They're so old. They're not hip. They don't know what Pinterest is. Wow, they're stupid. Those folks, that is a millennial, and this guy was just told he was old. That's like a slap in the face from his stupid 20-year-old daughter, and she is a freeloader from hell. He just can't wait to dump her on some other idiot who can then keep paying for her crap. And so he's just like fed up, and he's like, you know what, dear? You want to be upset? That's fine. I'm taking the pizza. And she's like, well, fine. Take the stupid pizza. I don't want it anyway. It's from Domino's, and I don't like Domino's. They're a national chain, and they oppress the BIPOC folk. He's like, how do they oppress the BIPOC folk? Did you know, Daddy, that they charge black people more for pizza? What? I read that on Instagram the other day. Well, honey, not everything you read on Instagram is true. Get the hell out of my house, old man, boomer. I'm not a boomer. I'm a millennial. Ah, You're acting like a boomer. Take your stupid pizza. I don't want your pizza of oppression in my house. And so he goes and gets the pizza. He's like, fine, I'll just take the damn pizza. I'll throw it out when I get outside the door. And so as he's walking out, she's a 20-year-old girl. she got a mouth on her, right? She just can't let it go. And I bet the pineapple, those oppressors over at Domino's to put on that crappy pizza, I bet it's not even organic. And folks, he lost his mind at that point. He has had to suffer the indignity of this freeloading Karen brat in his house, and he finally paid to get her out of the house, and she is still a freaking nightmare. And he's like, I cannot take this crap. So he opens the stinky pizza, and he's like, ugh. I want to throw the whole damn thing at her, but my fingers will rot off my body if I touch this nasty, foul pizza too much. So he just gingerly takes a slice, and he throws it at her. There. You don't like the non-organic pineapple, you little brat? Wear it on your face. And it popped her in the face. She's like, how dare you hit me with this oppressor's pizza? And folks, she is just, well, she's a young white woman. What do you think? She is hysterical at that point screaming at him and he's just like I'm gonna take the rest of this damn pizza and go so he goes outside and she comes in and she slams the door behind him and he's standing there and then common sense got the better of him he's like oh, you know she's my daughter and she is a she's as dumb as a sack of hammers I bet Goose Kentworthy I bet he is a rocket scientist compared to my daughter and he's a stupid queen and all he does is escort this new gay guy around other gay bars to find him a sugar daddy I just need to go and apologize to her. I, you know, I should do the right thing. I am the adult here. She's 20 years old. Technically, she's an adult, but she's really not going to ever do any adulting. I actually have to do some adulting around here because I've got this brat sucking me dry as if her stupid mother isn't doing that already. So he, you know, knocks on the door. Baby, baby, are you inside? I'm sorry. I, I, I lost my cool there. I'm sorry. Here's nothing. And folks, do you know why he didn't hear anything from her? Because she got her cell phone, folks, and she dialed 911 and called the Popo. So Popo show up, and Tyler Warden is standing there, 
He's got a pizza box with seven of eight pizza slices. He's just standing there, and he's kind of got this sheepish look on his face because he looks like a man who is dealing with a difficult woman. And I know you men out there know exactly what I'm talking about. So he's there, and the Pope will walk up, and they're like, Sir, sir, what is going on? He's like, Actually, I don't know. I was having an argument with my daughter, and you guys show up about five minutes later. Well, sir, did you know she called us? Uh, my daughter called the police on me, her father. Apparently, yes, she did, sir. And so they, Miss Karen, Miss Karen, are you in there? Oh, they could hear her through the door. And the father's like, oh, Jesus Christmas, that freaking drama queen. So the door flings open, folks, and there she is. And let me tell you something, folks. This is how vindictive his daughter is. She left that pizza sauce, that non-organic pizza sauce, on her precious little face just to spite him. She didn't wipe it off. She kept it there. In fact, folks, she took that pizza and she rubbed it in her hands and she smeared more on her face just to make it look worse. Oh, officers, thank God you're here. My father was abusing me. And the police are kind of like looking at her. She's got all this pizza on her face. Like, what the hell? This chick is as dumb as a sack of hammers. And so they look at the father and the father kind of shrugs his shoulders. We had a little bit of an argument. Oh, officer, he assaulted me with the pizza slice. It was, it was so horrible. I was just trying to show I was down for the struggle. And the police are like, ah, oh, crap, another hysterical white chick crying those white women's tears. Here they come. And folks, all of a sudden, social injustice in the world. And she just goes on and on and on. The police are like, oh, man, maybe we should take a pizza slice and slap this stupid little girl, too. But they didn't do it, folks. They did think about it, though. And so she's finally done crying her white women's tears about the social injustice. But then, folks, she starts in about the pizza order and how Domino's is an oppressor of black people and they charge black people more for the pizza because that's something she read on Instagram. And the police are like, man, she is dumber than Gus Kintworthy. And all that guy does is have to be a stupid pimp to some other queen. But the police didn't say anything. They just kind of let her sob her story. So the police just let her go for a while, but then they're like, ma'am, ma'am, we, we do have the story. Thank you very much. And we understand and appreciate your being down for the struggle. And so she finally just shut her mouth. Finally. I mean, let's face it, folks. It was a miracle. They were praying to themselves. They were saying, oh, please, sweet baby Jesus, please, 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 please. Just get this stupid, hysterical white chick to shut her mouth for five minutes so we can just get this dumpster fire over with. There is all sorts of crazy going on in Florida, and we only have so much time to deal with each little pocket of crazy. And this pocket of crazy is taking just too much time. So she shut her mouth. And so they turned to the father and like, sir, is this true? Did you hit your daughter with a slice of non-organic pizza? Did this happen, sir? He's like, yes, but no, sir. I don't want to hear the but. Yes or no? Yes, he said. Very exhausted. Yes. And that's when they smelled it. And they're like, sir, have you been drinking? And Tyler paused for a second because he probably should not have had maybe half a bottle of that deliciously chilled white Zinfandel before getting in the car, picking up a pizza, and driving over to his daughter's house. But he did. And now he's here in front of the cots. What should he say? He's thinking to himself, should I ask for a lawyer or should I just say something? And he's like, officer, yes, I was drinking. But in my defense, it's a hot day here in Florida and I had a deliciously chilled glass of white Zinfandel. And the police are like, hmm, that actually sounds really refreshing right about now. Thank you for reminding me to pick some up on my way home. 
And at that point, folks, Tyler is just not sure if he's going to get arrested for drinking and driving, the pizza assault, both. He's just not sure. And the police officer looks at the daughter, looks at the father. He's like, ah, crap. I really hate to do it. This poor guy. He just looks like he is in hell having to deal with this train wreck of a human being. That's his offspring. But I think in this case, a little bit of a timeout is going to do him some good. It'll be like a vacation. So he turns to Tyler Ward and he says, Mr. Warden, I am placing you under arrest for battery. But don't worry, it's a misdemeanor. You'll be just fine. And Tyler looked at his dopey daughter with the pizza still on her face and looked at the police and said, that works for me. Thank you very much. And folks, when that judge said, Mr. Warden, by order of this court, you are to have absolutely zero contact with your daughter. Do you understand me, sir? Tyler Warden, folks, a smile came across his face as if God himself had intervened. And he said, Judge, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I will have absolutely no contact with my daughter. Thank you very much. So white boy Malcolm X, did I get that correct, sir? Mostly. Okay, I will take I will take that on the podcast that was not supposed to be. But hey, I am still glad we were able to put something together. Probably still an hour and a half. But on that note, since I cannot top a beleaguered older millennial having to deal with his idiot dopey daughter who tattletailed just like a Karen, called the popo on her father, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you very much for tuning into our Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show with me, your host, Miller Frost, joined, as always, by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a good start to your weekend. Hey, it is a holiday weekend, so we have an extra day to get drunk and forget about life for a while. (laughs) Whatever you choose to do on a holiday, but we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.